So welcome um, again. It's actually really nice to be able to speak um, without a mask on. <laughs> um, and I'll just have a little thing for anyone doing NCA. I'm, um, there's going to be the English Connections kind of theme coming through here. Um, it's one of my favorite units to teach. So um, and for all of those who, of you who are older and have kids going through NCA, you have no idea what I'm talking about. That's all right. <laughs> Um, so, um, behold. Um, throughout the Bible, there are times when we are told to behold. Actually, before this, we need to watch the Lent. Yeah, we'll do it now, and then I'll speak, because I think that will make more sense. So, um, is that all right, Sam? Colt, so this is just the third of the tier fund. Woman, behold your son, and behold your mother. Sorry, These the words redefine relationships. Jesus was making sure that Mary would be looked after by John and vice versa. You might say it was Jesus' dying wish that we love one another. Our Catholic sisters and brothers also see this Woman, as the moment that Mary was given a motherly role to mother. all disciples, the church. These words At the very least, we can Jesus hear a strong sure command from Jesus to be people who take one another into our homes and look after one another. I love that Jesus uses the word behold. If we can't behold or see our neighbor, we're not going to relate to them very well. To truly behold someone is to see them as they are, all that they have to give, all that they might need. When we truly behold one another, we're well on our way to knowing them enough to serve their needs or to let them serve our needs. Sometimes we're the ones who have something we can give. Other times we're the ones in need and we need to learn to receive. Sometimes we're a host, sometimes we're a guest. Our ability to behold one another with fresh eyes is how relationships thrive. Is there someone you need to behold or care for? Or do you need to accept the care of others? To behold or care for? Or do you need to accept the care of others? Thanks. So, behold. Um, this one? Yep, cool. Um, throughout the Bible, there are quite a few times when we're told to behold. We always um, are meant to pay attention to the Word of God, uh, but there are times when we're called to pay particular close attention. What is coming up is really important. We need to see, we need to listen. Um, we start right at the very beginning um, in Genesis 1. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed 
And it goes on saying, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. But in that goodness, humanity falls and are in exile, unable to save ourselves until the next day, he saw Jesus coming towards him and said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then things restored, the invitation is given. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. And he tells us, behold, I am coming soon and my reward is with me to give to each one according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. But hold, let's go back and freeze frame at the cross at this behold moment. At this point, Jesus is on the cross. This is it. This is the moment. And Jesus says, behold, and calls John and Mary to look to one another. This is it. John's best friend is dying. Mary's firstborn is dying. And he calls them to one another. Woman, here is your son. Here is your mother. At this moment, Jesus is showing one of the most amazing examples of the incarnation. Here is the moment of being completely human and completely divine. In Matthew 5, Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And when I had this realization earlier this week, and other people might have had it before, um, it really blew me away. I'm sure other people have had it before. Too. <laughs> um, but, but this is the ultimate fulfillment of this commandment. Honor your father and your mother so that you may have a long life in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. On the cross, he is dying. Jesus is honoring his father. He's honoring his father God's wishes. Earlier, he had wept and he pleaded with his father, if there is any other way, take this cup from me. But there was no other way. So here, Jesus honors his father's desire and is dying on the cross. Yet at that very moment of honoring his father's wishes, he sees his mother, his earthly mother. He sees her heartbreak. And he knows he has brothers who could take care of her. But he also knows that they don't at this point follow him. He knows the grief and what she is, she is going through. And so he honors his mother and he calls on his most loyal and closest friend. Jesus calls John to be the son that Mary needs right now. And in this moment, we see Jesus honoring his divine father and his earthly mother. We see this ultimate incarnation, fully human and fully divine. And then we see the next part of this. The second half of this command is um, so noteworthy that even in Ephesians, it's pointed out this is the first command with a promise. The promise so that you may have a long life in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. What's the result of Jesus honoring his father and mother in this moment? It's resurrection. It's eternal life. It's the keys of the kingdom. He is fulfilling the law 
fulfilling it so perfectly that we all get to partake in the promise here. He's fulfilling it for all humanity. And the thing that I really noticed that I hadn't noticed before, that it's a continuous thing that the Lord is giving you. It's the, the now and the not yet, the kingdom that was and is and is to come. It's continuous. Um, it just, the, the thing is, honoring his mother and father is, a, is an example of it in this moment. But actually his entire life, entirely who he was, was living a life that honored his mother and father. So it changes our whole perspective. It wasn't just, uh, whoops, I forgot to put down who mum's guardian was, which is kind of where Matt and I would probably be at if something happened. Um, it wasn't usually, you know, ticking off the checklist. It was seeing that brokenness and seeing that grief. And even in his physical pain and suffering and even spiritual pain and suffering in that moment, it was the essence of who he was. Because honestly, if you're on the, on the cross and you're such, um, in such immense physical pain, your pretense is gone and um, inappropriate joke alert, you let it all hang out. Um, you're, you, you don't pretend to be something that you're not. You don't worry about things that aren't really that important to you. This was just simply who Jesus was. He was a son who honored his parents, not just in duty, um, but in love and the very essence of who he was. And it's more than this. Um, I really liked in the video that, that is that thing of, the, of John and Mary being called to one another. Because often when I grew up in the Bible, it came with a, it, the Bible would have a little heading saying something like um, Jesus provides for his mother or Jesus does his duty for his mother, some, some little subheading like that. But actually, they're called to one another. They're called into that relationship. And I cannot imagine what it would be like to be John. But I can imagine that, you know, if you're seeing your friend, someone you love in such pain, you just want to, to do anything. You would do anything for them. And, and that in that moment, actually being told, look after my mum, be a son to her, is one of the most honoring things I could imagine that in that moment that Jesus could do for someone. So here he is, this broken person, but he honors so much in this moment. The, the proof of love that Jesus saw, um, that John would understand, what Mary would go through more than anyone else. Um, so we see Christ reinforcing this idea, the past and its promises to the Messiah of the Jews through Mary, represented by Mary. Mary carried the promise with her in her womb. She carried that hope and she gave birth to it and, um, and held on to those promises that she had been given. So she physically represented that promise to the Jews of the Messiah. And John in this moment also represents the future hope. 
John's going to be one of the ones who goes and tells the good news to the Gentiles, that this is for everyone, not just the Jews. So in the two of them, we see the, the past coming through and that fulfillment represented by Mary and the future hope for, for all humanity, for all creation, in fact. So we see this, um, this message carried through and this, this pattern continues right throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. We are told how to follow Christ through relationships. Our God is so relational. He gives us instructions when we need them, but really the most powerful ones and the ones we remember are when it's all relational. So we read in Mark the scandalous story of Jesus dismissing his earthly family. They're here, he's in town, and are looking for him to catch up. He hasn't gone to them. He's gone in his teaching. And when Jesus is told, you know, your parents, look, your mother and your brother and your sisters are looking for you, he says, who are my brother and my mother? Looking at those sitting in a circle around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. See, it's kind of dismissive because in the Jewish um, family or the Jewish context, family is a big, big deal. All the, most of the traditions and the celebrations were things that were in the household. If you look at Passover, if you look at Shabbat, so much of those are what happens in the family, in the house. It's not about what hap only about what happens in the temple. There are, there are things that are so tied to the family. So it's a really scandalous statement. But it's not Jesus dismissing them. It's Jesus inviting everyone else into that intimacy, into that um, home environment. Um, so, it, and at this point, remember Jesus's siblings or half siblings were not followers of him, but he put those who were learning from him as equal to them. We see in that moment on the cross that John gets this. John, who takes in Mary from that day, he didn't wait. He didn't send the movers and packers after an appropriate time of mourning. It says, in that hour, he took Mary. John gets that, fam uh, that the family that Christ is calling the church to be. It says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And that's John 1. And later on in 1 John, it says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. So we know that children are called to honor their parents. And here we are being called to be in this close relationship with God, where we honor him. We are also called, as well as the children of God, daughters of Zion, sons of righteousness, brothers and sisters in Christ. God is our father. The Bible tells us this over and over again. Um, we see so many examples of what these relationships are like. The duty and obligation that we get so caught up in often in church or as Christians, and sometimes even as family, um, shouldn't be a burden. 
They come out of the overflow of love. Um, it says in Isaiah 42, which I think you read from before, didn't you, James? Um, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him, and he will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. So right back in Isaiah, this, this idea of the, the servant relationship, the, the elect one. Such odd relationships to have side by side and to describe the same thing that you're you're the elected one but you're the servant but it's even in our um in our culture we've taken on these ideas i mean look around us we've got public servants in our in our gathering here their job is to serve the people of new zealand this is what we are called to and there are some things you just do when you're part of a family there are things that your family get known for in the community, in the neighborhood. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. As a teacher, we get to see, I get to see this really clearly. You know, the first kid you teach from a family, you don't know which one's that person and which one is actually a part of the wider family. But as you get to see the other, other siblings, you begin to go, that's what that family is like. These are the values that that family holds. These are the things that are important to them. There might be um, really different expressions of that, but you can still see the values and how it comes out. So whether you're um, the, the geeky bookworm, like Zoe, who in primary school spent a lot of time helping out in the library, or whether you're the athletic one like Judah, who spent a lot of time setting up the sports equipment, um, and carrying things around for teachers. You know, they, they got this reputation, this expectation that they knew that if they ever asked Mansell kids to do something, they would do it. Um, that, that this was just something that the kids did. And it made me as a parent immensely um, proud of them that, that they had this reputation. I'm a bit worried that Malcolm might ruin things. <laughs> but never mind. <laughs> um, but there's this blurring transition here. When we go from, you know, when we're in a family, there's certain things you just do as part of being a family, and it's serving one another. You know, you might grumble and complain sometimes, but you empty the dishwasher, you clean, you do your laundry, you do whatever is on either however your family does it. But there are certain things you do to take care of the house and to look after one another. And that's, that's just, I guess, just what you do. Um, and as Christians, we have these same things. There's things that we just do and that people should be able to see that. And more importantly, I want the people in, and my um, kids' teachers and um, people who meet them to go that's um, we know that we can ask these th these people for help not because they're Wallaces or Mansells and that's just what the Wallaces or Mansells do I want them to do it because they know these these people are Christian and that's what Christians do I want to be doing my heavenly father's business so obviously I'm not there yet not always on the ball, and God is still graciously guiding me in this. 
Um, but it was another John. Um, so, you know, he is the good shepherd and we all like sheep have gone astray. And it was another John, John the Baptist, who saw this promise. He saw Jesus, the sacrificial lamb, the lamb of God. And it's another of those key moments. Behold, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so we see Christ as God incarnate, honoring his father and mother, inheriting the keys to the kingdom, calling his followers into familial relationship, sacrificing himself as the lamb of God so that we, overflowing with his love, can be servants to him and thus to one another and calling us into a, an ultimate relationship. And so we read in Revelations 22, which tradition says that it's the same John. There is some dispute about this. Um, who wrote Revelations, and but given how trustworthy John is, it wouldn't surprise me if it was the same John who God entrusted with um, the, the Revelation. Um, so Revelation 22. Then the angel showed me a river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God, and of the lamb down the middle of the street, main street of the city. On either side of the river stood a tree of life bearing 12 kinds of fruit and yielding a fresh crop for each month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the lamb will be within the city and his servants will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night in the city. They will have no need for the light of a lamp or of the sun, for the Lord God will shine on them and they will reign forever and ever. Then the angel said to me, these words are faithful and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of prophecy in this book. And I am John who heard and saw these things. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had shown me these things. But he said to me, do not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. Then he told me, do not seal up the words of prophecy in this book, because the time is near. Let the unrighteous continue to be unrighteous and the vile continue to be vile. Let the righteous continue to practice righteousness and the holy continue to be holy. Behold, I am coming soon and my reward is with me to give to each one according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by its gates. But outside of the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David. Isaiah again. The bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. And the one who desires the water of life drink freely. 
He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints. Amen. I just want to close with um, the Agnes Day prayer. Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, grant us peace. Amen.